Now there are some times where it's like, okay, your perspective is your perspective. And we do have to end this conversation because you are now dehumanizing me. And so now I have to back up and like, okay, you can have that. I can have this and I'm going to respect you regardless, but I don't have to, to um, continue to take on your disrespect. Welcome, fam. This is Courtney Russell Jr. And I'm here with my co-host, Emily Brocker. Welcome to Humanize. We are two Americans with totally different backgrounds and life experiences. We're coming together on this podcast to dive right at the heart of the three things that shut down tough conversations about race, culture, power, and ego. The stories you are about to hear are meant to humanize those deeply involved in social justice. Welcome to the work, y'all. Let's get it. Welcome back to another episode today. Courtney and I are debriefing our conversation with Awa Joe. Uh, so Awa joined us to talk about creating influence around the world, um, especially as it relates to diversity, equity, and inclusion. She has a fascinating background, born, born in Senegal, and then she came to New York, um, grew up in New York, and then she went to a very small college in, in Maine, um, you know, the whole while trying to deepen understanding of African-American history. And um, yeah, she worked in schools for a long time and now she's at Microsoft in DEI. So she has just so much experience that we were able to pick her brain upon. And it was, there's a lot to talk about, Courtney, as always. Um, <laughs> but I have a question for you. So for our listeners, um, so what we do is we, you know, we usually go through this process of interviewing a guest and then having a debrief, deeper dive episode like this. But Courtney and I re-listen to the episode, re listen to the episode, right? So we can like remember, which is like a whole experience in itself. And so mm. I, wanted, I wanted to ask you, Courtney, about like, what is it like for you to re-listen or listen? I, I hate listening to my voice on like after I've said it and after go through and like hear what I said and like man uh, you talk too much or I should have <laughs> said more I'm super critical I, I don't know it just seems weird to hear me out there in the air you know I'm opposite of a rapper you know when people listen to music they hear their stuff on the radio they get excited I don't I don't get excited I want to put yeah. it out there <laughs> and I never want to hear it again it's such a force. I don't listen to our debrief episodes. Oh, ever. No. ever. No, no. I have, we have to listen to the guest episodes again so that we can create <laughs> a good conversation. But it's pretty, it's hard. It's hard to imagine like someone else listening to us. Exactly. <laughs> you know, we know what's happening, but it's like, or, really? or my mama listening to it like, boy, stop. <laughs> my sister here like, oh, you think you smart using big words. Boy, I know using you. Using your big words. <laughs> I don't Crystal. use those big words. Yeah. So it's just, that's that's what I have, man. So a little the, self -conscious. the painful part for me, um <laughs> God, it's so it's so painful. Is so like when I meet someone, I build rapport by yeah. joking around, right? Yeah, and yeah. there's like I'm noticing a lot of me like haha, <laughs> like making jokes at the beginning and Awa was like totally with it. Like when yeah. she was, you could have seen her face. Yeah. She was smiling yeah. and laughing along, yeah. but there was no sound recorded. And so I just <laughs> sound like this person that 
<laughs> it's just laughing to myself. Yeah. Like, I don't even know. I we, we have to move to, like, the YouTube video format so people can Probably. see our expressions and <laughs> oh, <laughs> don't yeah. seem so insane. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. I'm going to have to revamp my rapport building <laughs> techniques yeah for radio um yeah it's hard it's hard to listen but it's also i'm so grateful that we do because in the moment it's hard to really take in everything that's that's being said and yeah. Uh, yeah. there's totally new things that i learned when i i listen to it um so that in itself in itself is an interesting experience too about like being present mm -hmm. and how much can we even really listen when we're present but maybe it's just present under pressure cuz we have like report you know a podcast yeah. or recording I don't know it's interesting yeah. and it also is like when you're trying to really master a craft uh, and we're trying to work towards something that's really important it's always good to critique yourself mm -hmm. and uh, who's the most harshest of cri critique most of the most of the time is is us you know, so I'm really hard on myself. Like, man, I should have really went in more on this. I need to read read up more on this. I sounded shaky on this, you know, just mm -hmm. to just to bring my best, most authentic self to the subject matter because it's so important. Yes, and <laughs> we'd love to be critiqued by someone who knows what they're doing in terms of we, podcasts. We know what we're doing. We, we have no idea what we're doing. But I'm not gonna let so y'all know. If you're out there in media or radio and you want to, you know, give us some feedback, we'd love that. No. But anyway. No? We're perfect. <laughs> no. Oh, yeah. Great. Okay. <laughs> We've got this figured out. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so I have a few starting places for us uh -oh. for this conversation, if that works for you. Let's get it. I'm, I'm deciding mine which place I want to start. Okay. I want to start here. Um Okay, so Awa said this really interesting point mm -hmm. about noticing when conversations are no longer productive. So let's listen to that now. But one thing that I've seen work really well, and there's a leader that I worked with um, about two years ago, and we were having, and I was doing some coaching with him, and we were having a conversation about privilege. Um, so white male, um, CVP. So, you know, he's up there when it comes to hierarchy, right, at the company. And he just was not grasping what we were talking about when we were talking about privilege. And at that time, I would say he was very much one of those people who, if you were to talk about privilege, he would mention, well, I grew up in a rural part of name and he's random state in the US, right? Or I grew up poor, or I, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so I had to, in a sense, have a conversation with him that was more focused on storytelling and understanding like both one, the impact of the things that he was saying to me as a black woman who also grew up poor, who can talk about all of the things that I did not have in my life. But if I sit down and I think about the things that I have now and where I'm at now and the privileges that I hold now, it doesn't matter if, like, yes, all of the experiences you have had in, in the past, like, they ultimately build up to who you are and who you become as a person. But that does not mean you don't have privilege in this moment and in this time. And that also doesn't mean you didn't hold privilege before as well, especially as a white man. And so the more we focused on really breaking down like the stories he was sharing, and I did a lot of like asking why, 
you know, and trying to like really pushing him to like explain to me, like, but what do you mean by that? Like, what is your intent by mentioning and or sharing that you grew up poor? Like, what am, how am I supposed to feel? Do you feel like I'm supposed to be more connected to you because you're telling me you grew up poor and therefore, because we are connecting about this thing, you're no longer privileged, right? And so I think it's it takes a lot of time. And I mean, it, it took a solid three, four months of having these types of conversations with him before something clicked. But I think what helped was I I tried not to force it too much and like to allow him the space and time to process. And then I would tell him like, you know, like my door is wide open. Like whenever you want to come and ask a question and or continue this conversation, let's continue it. And there, there were moments where I'd be like, okay, I think we need to stop for today because you're going to say something or I'm going to respond in a certain way. And it's not going to be productive for neither of us. And so I think it's also getting to that point and realizing for the two of you, at what point is this conversation no longer productive? Um, so Courtney, I'm I'm curious about you. Like, do you... Is that a moment that you're tuned into the moment of like, this is no longer productive, we have to stop. And if it is, like, how do you know? Like what's signaling? And I'm specifically thinking about interracial yeah. conversations, <clears throat> DEI conversations. Um, I think, and it's not a disagree with with that. You know, some people would not want to, when, when they feel as though the conversation is going off the rails, they want to back up and recenter. You know, mm-hmm. um, I I don't agree with it respectfully and not because I don't agree with her. It's just my mm-hmm. style is different. You know, like I want to be in the mess the whole time. Mm-hmm. I would rather spend an hour in the mess for the 30 hours that comes after that. Mm-hmm. So, and it is, so I'm not saying my way is right. I'm saying mm-hmm. that you will never hear from me. OK, let's stop. Let's recenter. Let's focus up because I'm always thinking like. If the conversation is, if we're in it right now, this is probably where we should be and where we need to be because the conversation is so intense and so hectic. So mm-hmm. feelings, feelings may be hurt, may be kind of uncomfortable. Some discoverings may, may um, come about where you're like, oh my God, this person feels like this about me. Wow. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I would love, I, I like to be in that space because it's truth. And I love mm-hmm. truth, no matter how ugly it looks. So you must have a pretty high tolerance for conflict. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love conflict. You love it. Because it's it's true. How can you love it? Because it's, it's true. It's, it's true. It's like the only way to really cure someone is to see what needs to be done authentically, 100% of the time. I don't want an antiseptic way of looking at a problem. When but you- isn't it so often like I, what I find is that when it's like superheated, people start saying things out of like a really reverted state, you know, yeah. like amygdala fight or flight that yeah. isn't necessarily truth. It's like, True. it's like something that's in there. This is why, you know, this is why you're here with me. We deal <laughs> to, <laughs> we all, I'm all gas. I told you I'm that. I'm all breaks. Exactly. So Let's all it's, recenter. It's, exactly. There we go. See, I, <laughs> if I was driving the car, we going off the cliff. <laughs> but, <laughs> There's got to be a method to I'm what still you do. learning. I have not always been in this DEI work. Okay. <laughs> I'm not, I don't, like you, like you, like you try to say, we don't know what the hell we do. 
you know? <laughs> but but well, we're so, here. So that this kind of links into like we can go back and talk about this more, but like my my question brewing when listening to Awa was also like, how do you create maximum influence? When I was inter- when I was introduced to you originally, um, our our mutual friend said, you know one of Courtney's superpowers is changing perspectives, is mm-hmm. helping people see mm-hmm. things in a new way. And I'm wondering, you know, if staying in the heat is how you do that or how do you how do you help shift um, perspectives and create influence given your tendencies to yeah. stay in it? A lot of times I try to make, tell myself it's not about me. You know, it's not about me. Stop taking it personal. That's how mm-hmm. I that I sit in someone else's perspective, and and try to see it from their point of view. So when I'm having a conversation with, like, if I had a conversation with Trump, mm-hmm. that could be infuriating. But when you start to think about the perspective that he brings to politics or to power, it probably would make sense of why he views the world the way he views it. Mm-hmm. And so, a lot of times, people don't agree with my approach. But I don't know if it's a superpower or a way to have survived and live this long. Because mm-hmm. I don't make your anger about me. And I guess how I grew up best prepared me for this DEI fight now in my life. Because I used to always talk to people in a non-judgmental way. Mm-hmm. You, you are not the worst that you've done. Mm-hmm. Right? And so I'm thinking about what is it that you do or you believe, why do you feel like that? Let's talk about that. Because there are some things that I believe and I do that are so far gone that I wish sometimes people would fall back and say, you know what, he has his perspective given his life. Now there are some times where it's like, okay, your perspective is your perspective and we do have to end this conversation because you are now dehumanizing me. Mm. And so now I have to back up and like, okay, you can have that. I can have this. And I'm going to respect you regardless, but I don't have to to um, continue to take on your disrespect. So that kind of answers the original question of like, when is the conversation no longer productive yeah. for you yeah. would be when you start to feel dehumanized. So yeah. I'm guessing that, yeah. like, what does that look like? Um when you, if, if, if I'm talking to a KKK member and he's saying, I don't like you because of the color of your skin, mm-hmm. okay? He's not dehumanizing me. He's living under a, a mantra or a dogma or in a paradigm where he feels as though because I look like me, I'm going to call danger to his life, his way of living, all of the stereotypes that he's heard. Mm-hmm. However, when he makes it personal about me, Right mm-hmm. now, we have to start backing up this conversation because I may do something that's going to dehumanize him because mm-hmm. I'm not going to give him the power to allow me to come out of my skin and disrespect and dehumanize him just because he's dehumanizing me. I always work to make sure that I keep keep a, a, a just a, a mind frame and a mindset of always humanizing a person. And always making so that we can revisit the situation and I don't have to, not have to apologize because I don't mind apologizing, but I don't have to make them feel less than. 
because mm-hmm. then I'm antithetical to my own mission in life, and I don't want to be hypocritical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. So I'm trying to just tease out, like, so um, Awa said, you know, she was concerned about someone saying something offensive. That's like her point where the the conversation is no longer productive. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like that is a saying something offensive is different from dehumanizing or like a subcategory of that or? Uh, everyone's threshold for disrespect is different. Mm-hmm. Right. I think um, where I draw the line is a personal attack, not a systemic opinion oh okay yeah yeah yeah. and so someone saying that white supremacy is great white supremacy is something that is empowering like we should just appreciate living in america is not stay with it yeah i can stay with that like Mm -hmm. like that's something that serves you why that's a condition tendency that serves you now if they are trying to to slap me or or talking about me in a derogatory way, um, now I have to, because I'm feeling threatened. Like if I feel right. like my life is being threatened or I feel like that, that it's, a, it's a different thing. But everyone is different. Mm-hmm. So someone saying white supremacy is good may feel as though their life is being threatened. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to be in this fight because the only way I feel like change can be made is if you're in the mess to make said change. Mm-hmm. Not distance myself from it and look at it and make it a spectator sport, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, um, so again, I'm different. So when people say, how do you feel? This is my perspective, me being in this fight. And this is why a lot of people have, a, have to align because there are a lot of ways to address an issue. Like me and you are doing it. I need you, Emily, to be there with me to, to say, hey, Courtney, let's back out of this and let's reset and so that we can come stronger. And mm-hmm. all, right, all right, cool, let's do it. Because you may mm-hmm. see something that I didn't see. And so um, I'm mm-hmm. not saying my way is right or wrong. I'm just saying it's my way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know from knowing you, you're very you're very curious. You're very good at putting yourself in other people's perspective. So I can imagine how um, talking about the system, you can stay curious about that. But when someone says something really ignorant about you personally, mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to stay curious yeah. about like, how yeah. did you draw that conclusion? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just, yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah, interesting. Okay. As a, I have a question for you. As a white woman who who's lived in this world and this country. <laughs> that is me. That yeah. is me. It's um, a good and, description. And, and been, <laughs> exactly. And been, and had, and you haven't had to even recognize certain things that's going on because you're 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 white, you know. What mm-hmm. what what triggers in you or signals to you that something is wrong? I always want to know that. Like, it, mm-hmm. as a white person, what is it about a situation or a conversation or a circumstance that says, you know what, I need to stand up now because I have the privilege to do so? With that, with the least risk of harm. So the kind of situ- like hone in a little bit on the kind of situation you're talking about. Like, is like it- if, if you had a, a conversation, mm-hmm. right, and it was going down a wrong word, down a wrong road, and I'm there, or a woman of color is there, or a man of color, somebody else is there, 
who's who who's of a different race than you, um, mm-hmm. what would signal to you that enough is enough? It's time for me to stand up. Oh, that's a very good question. So, I guess it's a question about allyship. Am I hearing that? Yeah. Correctly. Yeah. Um, I this is I can't say that this is something I do perfectly well because I can think of an example of um, when something was said that was really offensive. It was racist, and yeah. I was so shocked by it yeah. that I was like frozen. Uh-huh. And so I've spent a lot of time kind of trying to deconstruct that that situation. I'm not going to go into it because I don't want to reveal who was involved in it. But yeah. um, that is now. My like cue is this freezing is uh-huh. like because like that is um, that signals to me that something has happened in my brain mm-hmm. that's so mm-hmm. shocking and that there's a part of me that knows like you need to step forward now. And for me, I'm more conflict avoidant. So that's hard. So it's like coupled with like I I see what's happening, plus I'm conflict avoidant, plus like who's here in the room and I'm concerned yeah. about power differences, who who else is going to step in? You know, all of that is happening like really, really fast. And so um, what I'm trying to do as a practice is like if I feel all of that panic, you know, and freezing kind of coming in, because I don't go fight or flight, I just freeze. Um, I try to signal for like, hold on. Like, every, like, can we stop for a second? Because I, I really take a while to formulate my ideas. Drives my husband crazy because he's really quick with ideas. And I'm like, I need to think about it for yeah. a day, yeah. you know. And so especially in that kind of moment, um, that's like my latest thing that I'm trying is like, is there's the moment of like trusting, like you're picking up on something here. Like, don't. Don't don't second guess yourself because it's so easy to second guess like I'm being hypersensitive. I'm tuning into something. Why isn't, you know, that person speaking up for themselves? Are they giving me, you know, ideally, if we were with people in rooms more often, I might be able to do like a like a nonverbal check in with that person because I don't want to stand up for someone or say something if that person's like, don't do it. Don't do it. You know, I need to respect that. Um. Yeah, is that is that at all helpful? Yeah, yeah. You you use your body as a signal mm-hmm. to to stand, to step in to to aid and be an ally. Yes. So so that's one route, and then there's also the route of like why I need you and why I wanted to work with you. Of like there are things that go on within a room, microaggressions and 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 discrimination that I can't pick up on, and so I know there are things that I will never, I just won't be able to pick up on it because, you know, a lot of people who have been repeatedly traumatized and are just so used to microaggressions have a flat affect. They won't be responding. I can't, I can't see them responding. It's more internalized because they are trying to hide that response. So, um, yeah, I rely on other, you know, identities basically. Yeah. People who are not white women. That's why I kind of, don't work with white women anymore, even though I have an amazing group of white female colleagues. I just need other perspectives. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, Because I always have been curious about 
what is it that white people feel when they feel is a bad question, but like what they wrong <laughs> when they feel like something's going on? Like what's that feeling like? Yeah. You know, is it anger? Is it is it disgust? Um, is it like fear of losing a friend or something and then you don't say anything? Like I always mm-hmm. wanted to ask a white person that. Um mm-hmm. because I just never never knew. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have some white friends that I think would would jump up and and say something you know Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. but what is that what perceives that feeling right is what i want yeah yeah i mean i i kind of think of uh you know the brain as like a the shape of like a funnel going from like the highest rim of the funnel being most complex able to have a lot of thoughts and considerations and perspectives and then funneling down more and more towards fear and threat and stress yeah like it just feeds into fight flight freeze or fawn and so i imagine that for a lot of i don't know actually i don't know that's i think it's a good question to keep asking people because i think I've encountered some people who they're just like intellectually, I know you're not supposed to say that. You know, it's not so much of a fear response and maybe speaking up because I'm a woman too. So speaking up is not necessarily something that I've always been encouraged to do. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I will remember with our video, uh, with our interview, um, Mm -hmm. when she spoke of, being in a boardroom and always have to think about when you're talking with shareholders, how is this going to benefit the company? Yeah. You know, financially. Mm-hmm. And as a businessman, I kind of relate to that, but I want to do business and redefine what business has done because we're trying to humanize business mm-hmm. because business is only done. Well, I should say only done, but a lot of times it's done by people. And mm-hmm. is done. And if you create a climate of respect and inclusion and humanization of all of the individuals in your company, like I think that you'll be a lot more successful. Yeah. And the studies but, are there yeah. to show that. Yeah. But that's also hard when you're steeped in whiteness. Um, not like a black, it, it is not a color thing. It's just, something that was created to do business and and in a certain way capitalism mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know um mm-hmm. and then in a capitalistic society someone has to be poor someone can be rich in short right 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 just imagine how powerful it is if everyone was of means um and empowered to do so mm-hmm. capitalism could still exist it's just that i don't know that see that's a whole other conversation because just by being an entrepreneur in America, you're part of a capitalistic society. Mm-hmm. And so, like, it, it just a lot of things I've been, uh, that, that interview brought up for me. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah let's, uh, let's listen to this clip about the business case because mm-hmm. I think it's really relevant to hear this as we have the conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of, one of the ways, or I guess it's, it's, kind of breaking down into into two things it's the business 
impact of having diversity inclusion conversations and then the human impact as well, right? And while it's easy to talk about the business and, you know, there's a ton of research that talks about how much diversity and inclusion leads to more innovation and ultimately that helps your bottom line, right? At the end of the day, if you're more innovative, especially if you're a tech company, you're going to make more money at the end of the day. And that's what your stakeholders care about. But while that part is extremely important to talk about, there's, again, that human side of it, right? And so you can do as much as you want to be more diverse and to bring in more people of color. But if you are not driving inclusive behaviors, if you're not changing your culture, if you're not creating more equal opportunities for folks once they arrive and actually developing them to become those next leaders, the work that you're doing to bring in the folks, it goes to zero, right? Which means ultimately you're investing in bringing someone in you're training them, you're providing them all these skill sets. But if they're not happy and if they don't feel included and if they don't feel like they belong, they're going to take whatever resources you've provided them in terms of growth and opportunity, and they're going to take that somewhere else. Your response to <laughs> this was just talking about how, like, you know, economy, the U.S. economy was built upon slavery and mm -hmm. um, taking advantage of um you know it wasn't built for the goodness of all people no. it wasn't that wasn't the core of our economy and we're still we're still dealing with that and yeah. i was kind of surprised by her optimism about how much us companies are are willing to go in and really look at dei because i i agree that people want to be seen as a company that looks at dei but there's still really a lot of resistance yeah. um because it's work it's hard work yeah. and it is seen still as a distraction. And this is, you know, getting to your point about like, yeah, doesn't it logically make sense if everyone is working at their best, people are not triggered continually at work that they're going to do better work mm -hmm. and make more profit and be more efficient. It, it, it makes logical sense. Um, but we have just so we have very few models of it really working yeah. that way yeah you know yeah like we look at amazon it's like oh look if you like you know work your people to death then you're gonna have the most profitable business in the world <laughs> like that's yeah it, it, it's, it's amazing i um yeah the optimism is there because i think we want it to be People of color are always op optimists at heart, mm -hmm. at heart. Oh, it's going to get better. Oh, it will get better. Oh, come on, man. Everything is not that bad, you know? Mm -hmm. And then you have those individuals who are like, um, no, it's pretty bad. And then you're looked upon as different. You're looked upon as being, especially if you're a woman, uh, angry woman of color, you know? Mm -hmm. And so not being able to admit that we live in a country that used that with this had a basis of an economy based on kids skin color is very detrimental mm -hmm. i mean it was based it was based on that mm -hmm. and so like the the social construct of race definitely existed because we were trying to build a society mm -hmm. when you had like sugarcane and um and cotton being the driver of the U.S. economy and the GDP was 
mainly because of sugarcane and and cotton who 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 made it so that sugarcane and cotton was so plentiful and and used and 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 harvested black people mm-hmm. you know and mm-hmm. so to not give the due to black people for that and say that the economy is not based on the backs of that is is kind of like disrespectful and patronizing mm-hmm. 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 and um and so when companies aren't willing to to do that we it, it's hard to even have a place to start um right. and the existence of the that this is why professionalism and working in a company is something like oh you come in with long hair as a as a man with dreads or an afro um can look upon like oh that's not professional right um, right it's just remnants of the, the the race culture of using skin as an economic means of success. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I was just thinking about like, I mean, it's so hard to get people to slow down right now, but like just how powerful it would be for a company to sit down and just, just in your body, like be with that of like, the economy that is putting food on the table for me and my family right now is built upon it's the color of people's skin. Mm-hmm. And that was a nece- necessary piece to build what we have mm-hmm. now. 100%. There's no alternative history that we can pretend existed. Just the truth as a starting point, right? And like that's where I get really fired up about CRT conversations. It's like, we ha- how can we not have the truth as a starting point? And a, a lot of individuals like, and I listen to Candace Owens and it's very clear that she's brilliant. You know, um, she has a, a great way of saying that black people use slavery and white supremacy as a way to remain victims. Mm-hmm. And, I've heard that narrative. Yeah, in our way of trying to empower. But you cannot... See, the thing about power, it has to be clear-eyed. You know, it has to be... You have to know all sides. You have to understand the nuances. And mm-hmm. when and when you say just a, a statement like, stop being a victim, that's almost saying you had a choice. Almost like slavery was a choice. Like stop being a victim and understand that you like we're here now in this strong in this country. Um, black people, that's our problem. We victimize ourselves, right. and that's why right. we are here. And that's very patronizing to the to people that died so that she could sit in that seat. Interesting. Yeah, because when I think of like. Um, let's say talking with like a a close friend about a a story they're telling me in their relationship. And I might say, you know, like I might give them like urging to like reframe how you're thinking about this. So you're not a victim in this situation. Mm -hmm. That is very different. That's kind of like what she's trying to say, but like, it's very different from the amount of history that we're, we're dealing with. It's that's, that's an interesting point about how that's, uh, painful. Yeah. To say. Yeah. To a, hear. A victim of assault is like something, a happenstance. Something mm-hmm. that happened to you 
Um, but of being saying that you were a victim of slavery is as if slavery was just a bleep in history, you know, mm-hmm. you know, and like not something that was intentional to that intentionally created our country. Mm-hmm. They intentionally mm-hmm. went to Africa, brought individuals here to create a new country. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think the understand for so for someone that brilliant to say, oh man, why is it K there KK is not even that serious anymore? Who is afraid of KKK? I'm like, you're mm-hmm. you're downplaying a system, a group of people that took it upon themselves to continue the genocide of a race. Like I, I don't like and so mm-hmm. I would mm-hmm. love to have a conversation with individuals like that. And not a judgment to see like what like can you give me more context, woman of color, as to why you feel like people didn't die for you to even say that. Mm-hmm. Like, right. like that's right. it's not a white woman saying it, because then mm-hmm. I can understand if Karen was out here saying it. I'm like Karen, <laughs> I, I got you. But for a woman of color, uh-huh. like like women were systemically raped for right. their job. To create right. more slaves to keep this country going, like they like so for you to sit there act as if, like it, it, it's it's appalling to me, and and so mm-hmm. I, I it just I don't know, and so um, going into like the boardrooms and to the companies, is just an extinction of just more like everything is an extinction of white supremacy, you know you have you have mass incarceration, that's a business. You have um, education, it's a business. You have mm-hmm. healthcare, it's a business. And who benefits mm-hmm. from all of those businesses in the system that is now? Not people of color. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's even crazy to say that COVID was a business. <laughs> <laughs> That's even crazy to say, like, because some people have gone on. The reason I say that, I know it was a public health situation, but how you politicize a public health situation made it into a business and talking point. A business opportunity. A great business. <laughs> DEI, this work right now blew up because of mm-hmm. George Floyd and COVID and all the things, like a perfect storm to create mm-hmm. more business. That's mm-hmm. mm-hmm. crazy. It's crazy. So in short, thank you, Awa. You, 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 brought, you, you, you dropped the hammer. I was thinking about it a lot while yeah. li- listening to my annoying self. <laughs> yeah yeah i'll uh, let people know that you are actually laughing along with me at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> and you just were laughing by yourself uh, yeah you have to laugh out loud more often yeah for me. yeah um, <laughs> i do i do um yeah so i guess the question i want to leave listeners with today is how do you create maximum influence what is the what is the space that you do that in? What is the way that you do that? When do you know when to back off? I think I mean the whole episode was very, very thought provoking. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And so as you think about that, just log on to Patreon. We have a community over there. We'd love your support. Even yeah. just a yeah. dollar a month um, helps add up and make a big difference for us to keep going in our yeah. with our production costs. So. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, write a review. We haven't had a review for a while, so please write a review. Help um, us out. Help us out. 
<laughs> do what you can. <laughs> the support means a lot. Um, you. Courtney, you have a great day. I got to go get my kids at school. I appreciate it. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Humanize. Please remember to like and subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode. Join us on Instagram or Facebook to continue this conversation at the Humanize Podcast. Let us know if you want to learn more about the professional trainings we offer. And of course, tune in next time as we continue the work. Thank you and much love. Yeah.